if you want to know what hurts leadership on so many fronts to so many people is that most leaders, executives and managers, are stuck using only one leadership style. Hi, this is Maurice, and welcome to Winning in the Workplace. Hello, everybody. This is Nathan, producer of Winning in the Workplace, where we believe that improving the professional and communication skills of executives, managers, and frontliners helps everybody win in the workplace. So who else do we have on today's show? Me, Nathan. I'm Leah. And this is Maurice. So today we are going to be talking about style, particularly leadership. Yeah, leadership styles. So... What is leadership? We talked a little bit. We've talked a little bit on this show about what leadership is. How everyone can be a leader. It's everyone's responsibility to take leadership, it's right? In whatever role you're in. Yeah, yeah it's just. And, and, and that's a good place to start. Let's remind everybody that leadership is not an issue just for executives. Right. Yeah. A lot of times, that's that's the problem. That you you a lot of the language is you're either a good leader or a good manager. You know, and yeah. that's the wrong language. You either the the correct language is you're either a good leader as an executive, or you're a good leader as a manager, or you're a good leader as a frontliner or as a supervisor. But every position, even down to whoever is the closest to the quote ground or closest to right leadership. That's why when you hire employees, you want to see if they have leadership skills, not because they should be the bosses one day. But because can they be leaders in their area? So, so yeah. So, okay. that's, so, 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 uh, so everyone needs to be a leader. And, and to be a good leader, you have to start with three things. Like we talked about in the few, uh, previous uh, shows is you got to provide a sense of direction. Right. You got right. to provide a sense of vision, where are we going? Right. And then you right. got to provide some type of inspiration. Those are the three elements of leadership. Those aren't the only ones because today we're going to talk about a lot of the other ones. Okay. But those three are the foundational elements of leadership regardless what level you're in. So we're talking style today. Right. This, your right. approach. Your right. approach to yeah. leadership. Okay. So this is a little bit different than that. This is the way you, you implement it on that? It is. It is. Uh, because usually companies or teams or departments, they tend to follow uh, individuals. They tend to follow one of the three styles in which we're going to use today. Okay. Okay. And like like we said at the beginning of the show, most leaders hurt themselves because they only they get stuck in only one style. Okay. Yeah. And they can't tell the difference of when to use a different style. First of all, they don't know how to use the other styles. Okay. Okay. Right. But then because they don't know how to use the other styles, they stay away from those styles and they get stuck using their preferred style all the time. And good leadership is recognizing when a certain style should be used and when a different style should be used. And so there's three styles that should be used throughout the life of an organization. Well, but, but it's learning how to do those things. Okay. You know, it's, 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 it's learning how to use which style at what time, for how long, when, and not get stuck in anyone because life situations at the at the office dictate that you use different styles. That's what I'm excited about talking about today. It's not that you just use one and stick with it. It's when which approach to use when 
and, that's right. and when is when is the time to do that? that that's right. That, that That's the magic of this, which makes leadership a lot harder. Right. Let's just say that right up front, okay, which makes good leadership that much harder because, oh, great. It's bad enough that I got to learn three different styles, but then I got to figure out when to use which one. Yeah, that's. Well, one style is your comfort zone. That's the one you, you like to right, use. Right. Yeah. And the other two, you got to learn how to do. So right. all of this is, is, this is not just executives to be clear that this, what we're going to talk about today, these three styles could be, this could be your manager. This could be your. That is super. correct. Very good point. Because sometimes you work, uh, you talk to individual employees at a company and you say, I love, I love to work there. Yeah. My manager is wonderful. And then you talk to another employee in another, in another department, and they go, I hate that company. Well, well, my manager is terrible. Yeah. And why? Because they use different styles. They're, so the style of the manager has an integral impact on the culture of that department. Okay. But let's break it down. Let's say a department has six supervisors. See, I work for a trucking company. I, I, I was a consultant for a trucking company. Okay. And they had like 300 people in the back fixing trucks. Okay, huh. so they had four different departments back there, but each department had like three individual units within each department. So they had they had like 40 something supervisors, not that many. They had, they had about 28, 30, 30 something supervisors. Okay. okay. All right. It was funny as you would talk to any to any one technician. It all depended how happy they were on the style of that supervisor. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we're talking about is, is the, 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 the supervisors that were really good, they, they knew how to read situations and learn how to use different styles. Okay. Well, then yeah. why don't we go ahead and go through what these styles are? Let's yeah. do the quick okay. stop and then yeah. why don't we dive into all of them? All right. Uh, so the first one is the laissez-faire, the laissez-faire approach, the uh, hands-off approach. Just let it happen. Just let it happen. Yeah, okay. Just let it happen. And, and although that sounds kind of cool, it's got a lot yeah, of traffic. What, what does that mean? Let it happen I just mean, don't you know don't like don't. something like a project might get done like it, it might get done in two weeks it could be three weeks i mean if it's four you, weeks you often hear it said this man don't make things so complicated yeah don't you know it's usually a desire to you know don't 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 formalize anything don't don't okay. st- don't set up a whole lot of structure don't you know, just 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 be chill, man. Let let just right, lay let back, them, and let, the group's gonna do it. They're yeah, they're gonna we'll be, figure it out. Right, we'll figure it out, and it's a sense we'll of hit that deadline. We'll figure it out. Okay, and there's a place for that. See, I, that's why I, I want to be very careful that as people hear is there is a place for that in every organization at, at all the time, but but not in every scenario. So we'll talk as we, as the show progresses when to use what. But that's the first style. What is okay. the second style? All right, the second style is probably the one that gets used a lot, probably the most. And this is the one that I've seen the most, and is I think the toughest to deal with, at least in my own personal experience. Right. I uh, think it's the most that people think it's supposed to be. That, uh, yeah, that right. executives I, and managers I, I, are supposed to be like this. The directive style. The directive style. The directive style. Which I think most people could probably figure out. Just very, just but very. Yeah, so, what would you say that one is? The, the, this one is where announcements are made and everybody else finds out. Mm, yeah, that's basically what it is. Or it's the one that says, well, we're trying to be collaborative. Okay. But it's taken so, too long. So somebody's just going to have to make a decision. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Or yeah. no, I'll send the email out and I'll tell everybody what needs to happen. You know, it's, it, it's a directive style. It's a very, it's clearly a driven from the top kind of thing and this is you would say that because i think of an executive when i hear this but like a manager you could you have 
uh, an executive that's laissez-faire and then a manager beneath yes, him who is directed. That creates problems. That's exactly Lots right. Lots of conflict there. And, and a lot of that, the, a lot of the conflict there happens because, all right, guys, let's announce the decision we made. Yeah. And you have six different managers and one of them takes a laissez-faire approach to announcing. Mm. And then another one. And the executive takes, is mad because you didn't put like drive well, it home. It, well, it's just that the announcement went out in four different ways. Yeah. So we made a decision on Wednesday by Friday. One team knows about it because the directive style went out. Then two other departments like to use the laissez faire. So they won't really find out things until a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. Mm. Okay. And then there's three other guys or people, managers that are taking the collaborative style to discuss the decision. So it takes a little longer, but yet the decision was made Last week, we were supposed to implement next week, and we're supposed to see results two weeks from now, but the style that we used to communicate, we were not on the same page, so the style differences is what, is what created the problem. And right. so what is the third and final style we're going to be talking about today? The collaborative style. That's the one that... The, the, I mean, that the, one just sounds... That, <laughs> I mean, that kind it of sounds better than anything else. Yeah, yeah, I don't directive wanna, sounds scary. This is a friendly style. Right? I've got to say, I've been in places where they have the laissez-faire, and that is a lot of fun, although it is of frustrating because you feel like yeah. nothing's getting done. Yeah. The collaborative one, I mean, it is still it's still tough work, like you're in the direct one, but I mean, you at least feel like you're part of uh, the, the, a system. The, right. the first two come naturally. Yeah. The third one you have to practice. Yeah. Okay. No, nobody falls into, nobody falls into. Hey, we kind of just figured out the collaborative style. No, you have to consciously practice it, and that's why people get frustrated with it, and then they fall out of that and come into directive or laissez-faire. First one we talked about a little intro was laissez-faire approach. After that, we've got the, the directive, the directive approach. approach. It's the one you guys tell me that I use all the time. Yeah, you like that one. You do like that one. I th- I'd say I think that's whenever, your natural one. I, yeah, that's I would say that one. one I'm a high D. I'm a dominant person, of course. It's like I wait for collaboration. I wait six seconds. It doesn't happen fast enough, so I move to directive style. Yeah, that's true. yeah. I mean, we don't do the lace affair approach around here very much. I mean, I would say that's more. No, mine. we at Team Real World, we pretty much agreed early on that we were not going to consciously go uh, consciously adapt the uh, the lazy fear approach yeah i think that there is a little bit of a because we are a startup more of it not a startup but we still we kind are, of have that are. feeling yeah. right well um, that's that's the best time and that's what i was going to say yeah that's what i was going to say i think that i know that we'll talk about the laissez-faire approach right now and that there is a time when you need to i feel like that is a good time to well i guess the directive approach is what i'm saying the directive approach is good to use whenever you're like us Still, kind of finding our roots, making roots, uh, finding who, who well, we yeah. are, what we are. Well, ultimately, if you can't make decisions, somebody has to make decisions, so they have to use the directive style. Yeah. So if you if you need if 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 no one's making decisions, then someone's got to start telling the group what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the laissez faire approach does lead into the directive eventually. Well, it does. But let's back that. it up a little bit for a second. Let's talk about where and when should a laissez faire approach be used. Um, if you can get away without using a laissez-faire, better off, but that's not realistic, okay? Yeah. It's just not realistic. So why try to fight why try to fight nature? You know, there is a place for it. And one of the best places for it is when you're when you're oh man, is to realize that, oh, we just don't know how to make decisions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well then that's okay. Are we the, saying this is the laissez-faire the laissez-faire approach? approach right? it, the, the laissez-faire approach is 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 one that says, look, we're not good at organizing, but at least 
lets you a let's use a disorganized approach on how to move things forward. Okay. And and that's usually better in the early stages of of a company. I know where, where oh, people yeah. are sharing a lot of different hats. Uh, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's very mom and pop, a lot of confusion, a lot of chaos. I kind of feel but like, still, uh, but it works. It, it, it does work. Whenever you hear of things like, um, Apple or Facebook or younger, uh, younger companies, whenever they first started and you hear like, it's like these guys or these girls and they're in their they're in their apartments they're in their small workspaces they're sleeping in their workspaces like they're pulling all-nighters just doing what like they probably have a refrigerator they're living out of the office i kind of feel like that does that have a feel of the laissez-faire approach it's not it's not like it's not laziness it's just that no we're scrambling to do so much stuff that we can't really have meetings all the time too much yes the answer is yes it has a high level of collaborative everybody throwing their full weight into this thing and everybody does everything which is it's good very informal it but yet it, it creates team it creates excitement it's disorganized it's late hours it's this it's messing up it's everybody stepping all over each other's toes but but we're having fun kind of like the what's the painter that does all of the splatting all the time it kind of feels like one of one of those Pollock. things yeah Pollock, the guy that would just uh, drip the paint all over the and place. And I think with the laissez-faire approach, it does give companies that tight-knit feel of what you're talking about. Hey, we're working late nights. We're we're making this happen. Yeah. We're getting this off the ground. And you do have, that's what gives you that camaraderie with your team there co- in the beginning. Co- correct. So, so. It, what does it look like in a larger group though? Like we just said that a startup. Like well, I, that's the issue is the group gets bigger. The laissez-faire uh, uh, approach, it tends to be the landmine. Okay. Because when a team starts becoming successful, it starts growing, that approach starts being the bottleneck. Hmm. Because the nature of growth means better decisions, faster decisions, more decisions, and, and the laissez-faire approach can only handle so much. Okay. So then it becomes ex- too disorganized for it to work, so it's got to get structured. Hmm. Okay. okay, but because what the what the what the what it's what it's requiring, it's requiring the collaborative approach. Hmm. Okay. Okay. In other words, the weight of decisions and the amount of decisions, adding more people, more space, more processes, more clients, that is begging for collaborative, organized approach. But that's a problem. Most companies don't know how to go from laissez-faire to to collaborative. So what happens? Mm-hmm. Somebody starts becoming directive. Yeah. And then the directive approach starts kicking in. Okay. And then and then you lose that sense of camaraderie and now it becomes well, you know how Gordon is when he makes decisions. Yeah. You know, and then the, it becomes usually the biggest mouth or the most dominant personality starts making all the decisions. So a negative thing to the laissez faire is that it allows for someone to be maybe not maybe a tyrant is the wrong word, but to feel like that it allows Let's the strongest dominant. It allows the most dominant personality to rule, and they'll usually rule. Will they usually rule with their personality? Like it won't be a no. It's yeah. It'll be it'll be clear. Yeah. It, it'll be very clear that the dominant personalities in the building are the ones making the decisions. Okay. It still stays disorganized, but it's clear. Larry. Yeah. Is the one you know? What I'm saying everybody's got to go talk to Larry. Everybody's got to go talk to Mary. You know how Mary is, and so. Uh, I just visited a client for the first time. We just got a new client recently and they have six managers and sure enough of the six managers, there's two that are at odds with each other. 
Mm. Real seriously at odds with each other. Personalities, two dominants who are fighting all the time as to who controls the chaos. Okay. 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 And the other four, the other five are are, are like, uh, this is getting to be really not fun. Well, okay, anymore. but are they laissez faire? Are those very other four? Okay. All right. The other ones. And so they were having a great growth when they were all kind of being all over the place, but 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 now their 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 office, their their business is just growing so much that it requires organization. They don't know how to create collaboratives, so now the two the two dominant personalities have taken over and it's now uh what the general manager told me was this is you just don't know on tuesdays which one of these two are going to go do and go do their own thing and tell everybody else what to do and by thursday the other one's telling the team the other direction to go to and it's a constant fight between those two and they're telling everybody what to do and it's all over the place okay so it's almost like the 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 uh the directive style it's a form of laissez-faire because it's all over the place, but it's got few people now controlling it. All right, that makes sense. But it's so non-collaborative that it's really that it really frustrates people. You know? I must say, this kind of just feels like a history type thing. Like in early Germany in the early 1900s, it felt like there was a lot of laissez-faire going, and then a oh, small, yeah. tight-knit oh, yeah. uh, group of people became the dominant ones and just let everything. I mean, chaos. We, we, let's yeah. not get into the politics of it, but that is what happens. It's in it companies. Well, it happens com- in yeah. companies. Countries and teams. are no different than teams. Just it's giant just, companies. It's just giant companies. It's groups of people, and how are we going to organize things? Yeah. You know, and yes, we believe that a democratic republic approach is a collaborative approach. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's it, because it works. If you let let it be fed from the bottom, and yet you have some, you have enough structure for it to be organized, but not too much structure to where it's it's stifling. That's the collaborative approach. And I know we're jumping a little bit, but... Well, yeah, I know. mean, I think we're at least we're talking about how this stems from the laissez-faire approach. What I'm wondering, how is it that the uh, laissez-faire approach kind of comes about i get that if it's a small company what if you've got a company that's been around for like a hundred years is that just the culture that's always been there or is that something that's like uh like wow. a few a co- group of a company that's all has been around for a hundred years it's 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 got it, it must have stayed small yeah i guess what like less than 50 you've got less than 50 people in there uh, uh i would say less than 50 people uh, if uh, it probably it's already moved to an authority to, to a okay. directive so you probably have that it's probably inevitable that a company can't just stay laissez no no that's what i'm saying it's a mom and pop small operation okay so yeah. frustration there's probably well, frustration. frustration that's what that's i was right. gonna yeah, say right, it, i think right. in the team it's it's that disorganization they and your teams can get so frustrated yeah and and that uh, that's what drives them crazy so one oh yeah sorry go ahead no what i was gonna say is how would we say if you've got someone doing laissez-faire, you got two or three doing laissez-faire and directive, how are we going to get those on the same page? How are we, we going to get them? We have to teach them the collaborative process and how to get, how to jump from, from laissez-faire to collaborative. Yeah. Right. And then how to use directive yeah. within that or how to jump from directive to collaborative and how to use directive. We just finished talking about the laissez-faire approach. I, uh, I like the feel of that one. I kind of like. I know that it's. I know that it's not right. And you're not supposed to run your company by that all the time, but it's fun. But let's remember, okay? Early stages. There's a lot of. There, there, there's a lot of benefit to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. And and if you if you try to get out of less affair and you try to move too sudden, you're you're you you could cause damage. So it's it's about learning how to progressively get out of it. 
Okay. Uh, All right. It creates yeah. a lot of disorganization. Hey, look, we're working with a team right now that they have been so much in the laissez-faire approach, and they actually we have two clients right now who who, who uh, uh, re- reached out to us recently, and they made it very clear. They showed us what's happening financially. Um, they have a, an incredible amount of growth happening, and they are desperate to ha- they have to get out. They have to get organized. Huh. Okay. And so whereas we would take much more of a paced approach. They need to in the next six months to shift. Hmm. Okay. Otherwise, you want to do it. You want to pace it a little bit at a time with enough victory so it's worthwhile. Uh, but these two companies we're working with, they are under the gun. Oh, wow. Because sales are good. Uh, yeah. But they're also noticing that that sales is causing problems for not organizing. So we built a six month game plan and they are doing fantastic. Nice. Uh, but they all realize that it's funny how you often hear people say, okay, now remember, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Okay. Right. <laughs> They're telling their teams, okay, y'all remember, this is a sprint, not a marathon. Yeah. Uh, so everybody right. needs to gear, and they've done really well. Uh, so it's that's just, good. it's just, you, you got to know when, when to do what. And that's why we're here to help you uh, take the assessment. We'll help you through the process. We'll help you go depending on what your gro- growth plans are, what you're challenging. And we'll show you how to use which style at what point. And I think that's a very good point. I know we'll talk about it here in a few minutes. There's certain times to use it. You don't always just do one hundred percent. No, not that at all. Your, your goal your goal is you want to get to collaborative where your collaborative approach is is seventy percent of the time. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Seventy percent for collaborative. Seventy percent of the uh, that, that's right. Twenty percent laissez faire. Less affair. Okay. And ten percent directive. Ten wow. percent directive. 10% so yeah. not directive. that much. Because whenever I think of like an executive or a manager or a company, the stereotypical idea that comes to my head is a directive. Well, approach. yeah, most companies are the opposite. The most probably. companies are eighty uh, percent direct, and twenty percent is the rest. But but they want that. I have not met one company that doesn't want to learn how to do the collaborative. Okay, okay. they did. That does not want to do the collaborative. Right, thing. they all okay. want. To oh yeah, that makes because sense. the executives want everybody to step up and become better leaders, better communicators, create engagement, create buy-in. They just don't know how to. They know how to run a bank, but they don't know how to run cultures. Okay, right? they know how to fix trucks, but they don't know how to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. And so it's it's teaching them how to do that, but you have to start off with a commitment that says, okay, us executives at the top, we're going to lessen our directiveness and making decisions and announcing. We're going to start lowering that to uh, then each quarter you got to do less and less. Yeah. It has a lot to do with decision. It's got everything to do with decision making. Who's making the decisions? Who's making the announcements about the decisions? And who's, support, who's supporting what? And if the directives and decisions are always coming from the top, if that memo is always coming from the top, if those emails are always coming to the top, this is what we decided to do. Hey, guys, for Labor Day, we decided, well, did that come from an executive? Well, there you go. Is That's the problem. Why isn't the HR manager sending it out? Well, with the, because the executive wants to be in control. Is an executive coming uh, past their manager to micromanage people that are levels below them? Is that part... Is that part of directive? Like it, it, it has it has everything to do with that. Is whether the executives can learn to talk through their managers. Okay. Can that? Mm-hmm. But can that? Can they still talk to their managers? Respect that boundary and still be directive? Can that's the way it should work. Okay. All right. Okay. Because twenty, you know, a, a good percentage of the decisions have to come from the top without asking anybody. Yes. Yeah. That makes okay. sense. Yeah. All right. All right. But the announcement of it should be less than that. 
The announcement of... So the executives make a decision and they felt that, look, oh, this I is see. one okay. of those decisions that 10% of the time we're just going to have to make and we're not going to tell anybody. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. They made a decision on their own. They have, they're within their right to do that. It's just that that happens all the time. Everyone's going to take their hands off their wheel and go, oh, hey, the executives are doing everything. Right. They just look to them and make decisions. Right. And when should an executive, what can an executive look to to be like, okay, this right here, this is a directive moment. Like what is, what is the balance? How the, do they the, see the balance? The, the, the big decisions. Okay. The big decisions. We decided we're going, and then, the, you know, they decided on the big issues. Like in terms of like if something's happening in the marketplace, if something's changing, like Correct. if we need to. I worked for an insurance company in which the owner said it is now time for us to expand into a third state. See, that's an executive decision. Yeah. Okay. But as to what state, they made it a collaborative by asking mm. their people. Okay. Good point. So it's not even the whole uh, decision. decision. And then they got feedback while marketing did a market research. Hmm. And they created a fantastic collaborative discussion for six weeks to nine weeks. Eventually, they announced what it was. The announcement came from who? The announcement came from the middle managers from a conversation with the executives. And the executive said, we'd like for you guys to announce it. So it's kind of like, uh, see, kind of. Do you see the power of that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like a ship. Like if you have a gigantic, massive ship and you turn it like just a little bit of a, a degree, bit the of, entire right. ship is going to just move. Right. And if the executive is just turning that thing all the time, then everything's just like. Right. For all movie, movie, bl- movie buffs that just. Okay. The movie to watch is uh, River on the uh, Bridge on the River Kwai. Oh. It's when awesome. the general turns around and gives orders to the lieutenants, the captains, and the captains turn around and give, gener- give orders to the crew. Nice. To the troops. Oh, yeah. And yet the Japanese captors didn't want that structure to happen. Hmm. They just wanted to level everybody out to being soldiers. There was no officers. An immediate executive to frontliners type and, thing. And that's right. And just so, and so the whole pr- conversation be- in the movie was, no, you have to create structure. Otherwise, you will demoralize the people. But the general never gave orders directly to the people. All right, and so at Team Real World, let me ask Leah. At yeah. Team Real World, how many emails go out for Maurice to all the staff? Oh, none. Never. And we're less than seven people. Huh. Maurice, the president of the company, does not send emails out to why? Because, I mean, you're the executive. You have a certain area that is just your purview. You're not supposed to be getting your hand in everyone's kitchen. And well, most importantly, I have a director of operations. Right. Yeah. Directives come to the director of operations. Right. And so if I want my team to be moralized and empowered, they need to know that the announcements, the decisions come through and come from the director of operations. Okay. But if I'm constantly the one giving instructions all the time, then you got to ask questions. Why do I have managers? Hmm. And that's what the directive model uh, is very helpful when certain big decisions have to be made. I would think if you have a manager, an executive that's doing this and you approach the executive and you're like, you're doing this directive, it's hurting our company, it's hurting all of us. Will, uh, I can see an executive saying like, well, it's your job to manage me. It's your job to, there's the manager to make sure that I don't do that. Things like that. Is there a point wherever the executive is just going too far and is forcing all of the good managers out? Or is it oh, always the, the manager oh, it, that's, it's the no, manager's it, it, role? It, it, so. it really is. It, that's what happens. Okay. And and what what's what's obviously in, in that situation, which which is most common in, in, in workplaces, is the executives don't give 
they don't truly give managers the authority to manage them as they should. They don't give them permission to be the leaders. Okay. And so the manager constantly waiting for the executives to act while the while the executives are constantly waiting for the managers to act so they're waiting on each other. Okay. You know, so let's talk about real quickly the biggest uh the the, the best places to use the directive approach yeah. is the early uh, definitely early stages of business because you have to make decisions. Yeah. Uh, when the executives need to be involved to teach people. If they're if a new product or a new service and the executives are very well knowledge in that area and they have to tell everybody how to do it the first few times. Yeah. Uh, then that's a great place for the directive approach to be used. Um, and then when the business is in the midst of new change that requires a lot of fast decisions that they need to hear from the top, that's perfect. So do those, you th- those no. are transitional periods. Do you think that Blockbuster should have had more of a direct approach when Netflix was on oh, the horizon? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And, and because they, yeah, so something happened there, we'll talk, but yes, that's good. So the biggest benefit of a directive approach is that it gives direction. Yeah. Okay? Uh, it helps in high-level decisions, but the negative is that is if, if it always comes from the top person, then the middle managers are going to disconnect, and that will disconnect the lower, the the frontliners. And I get well. I guess well, the frontliners will probably end up being like not depressed, but probably demoralized. Demoralized, definitely. We've been through a lot of the a lot of the styles. I didn't like the directive one. I mean, I understand the directive one's necessity, and I actually think when it comes down to what I do, I usually do the directive. Like I that's think so. I. I mean, I hate being in that position. I hate whenever other people are doing it because they're being <laughs> jerks. I think but, everybody uh, hates it. Even the persons who are being directives, they hate doing that, but they yeah. feel that nobody else is going to make decisions. I'll make decisions. Actually, I usually find that people, whenever they are, they go to directive, and then they're in that position where they're no longer the directive one. They usually want to be like, let's just let's have a little bit more laissez-faire. Maybe, yeah. maybe not collaborative, but just chill out for sure, man, right. even though they're also very directive. I, it's tough because you have the folks that are wanting the directive person to stop being so directive, but they can't t- seem to take control. They try, but the person won't let them. Let's, let's keep calling him Larry, okay? Larry won't let him. Lori won't let him, you know? And then you talk to Lori and Larry, and they're like, I am just, I'm exhausted. I'm always the one. I'm have to, I have to be the bad cop. Nobody else steps up. They can't make decisions. I'm waiting for Jim and Jerry and everything. You know what I'm saying? They, they're, just, they're just, they're too passive. Yeah. And so it's, it's a merry-go-round. So the only way to get that, the only way to help the directive approach and the lazy fair approach to become collaborative is to do it at the same time, which is why coaches and consultants come in very helpful to come and help them and help them do it at the same time and have a third party voice, hopefully one of reason that it shows them how to do it. Because yeah, you were saying it's not like you don't have to do just uh, one of these. You're supposed to do all of them to some extent, not at the same you time, do. but yeah, you have to flow ebb and flow from one to the other you do for example we had a good collaborative discussion about a book that we about that we're about to publish right yeah and remember if you guys recall we had a discussion about the pricing of it yeah and one of the marketing strategies of how much should we give some books for discount remember that remember that yeah, yeah okay well if we'd have gone with what the team decided, we'd have ended up differently than what we ended up. In other words, the team wanted to do a certain a certain game plan. You recall? Yeah. yeah. And we talked yeah. about it, and I, I didn't agree with you guys. Right. You know, and but we did listen to each other. I think we listened to. It. What do you think? No, I mean, I think I think the team told what their their pros and cons were on it, yeah. and we listened to those, and we addressed them. And it I was think about the a three-week, <laughs> yes. three-week, three-week three tug of war. I think the team felt heard, 
and then understood why we went with the decision we went with. Right, but but even then, and they're when, fine with it. Even now. then, when I had to say no, y'all, listen, I and we repeated because we did talk about it over several weeks, and I told y'all, guys, I'm sorry, but on this one, I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to make the decision, and I w- I'm sorry that I, it won't agree with what you guys want to do, but we need to, and I explained to you guys why, uh, explain why, and the only comfort factor that I had to appeal to was that y'all know that I don't use that approach all the time. So it's almost like calling in my chips and say, guys, on this one, I'm going to have to just be the boss on this one. And, and But it's okay if it's only 10, 15, 20% of the time. Right. You know, if that is the common course of our decision making, well, then people disconnect because human beings. Well, there's being, no point in following you. You're just going to do what you want. Why should we even give our input? Right. Yeah. And so that's what we're, that's what we have to know is, is there a conversation? Can we, is there, a, is there a conversation that we can be part of? Are we really going to be allowed to, to, to make decisions? Oh. You know, and can we have the confidence that from the top, the majority of decisions will be honored by what the team decides? Mm. Okay, Simon Sonic just recently published a great book in which he says the essence of leadership is not you making the decisions. The essence of great leadership is you setting the environment by which other people's ideas can flourish. It's about you protecting the environment where others can make decisions. My favorite quote, all you guys know that I, we use it a lot in our workshop, is Steve Jobs, yes. where it says that if you don't let the majority of the decisions happen from your team, then your best employees are going to leave you. You're going to be left with the lesser than best employees. Yeah. Okay. And he says it's ideas that have to reign. It's not hierarchy. It's not what the ball says. The ideas have to win, and you got to allow for good, disciplined, professional disagreements to where people can talk. And the teams can decide what the managers are responsible for is to make sure those conversations are happening. And that goes back to Simon's point. Are they creating the environment where they're where those conversations can happen? I feel like the directive approach, if you say, if you tell someone go and have your company follow the directive approach, at that point, you've got maybe three talking heads just implementing what they want to implement. The laissez-faire, that's kind of fun to just have happen. It's just happening. Like everyone's just, right. yeah, everyone right. just kind of chill out a little right. bit. We'll do what needs to be done and make sure you just do what you need to do. Right. Um, the collaborative one sounds like the obvious right one, but I feel like it would be harder for people to go out and just like, what is that? look like how do we even start with that (laughs) what are the steps like how do you do that ready you got you have to have one very strong directive person telling everybody we're going to start the collaborative approach well yeah i guess if you were actually yeah although we said this is like not in crisis times and in big shifts i guess you kind of have to use the directive approach if yeah so let's go through some of the first steps this the, the first step is the organization has to do what's called an employee feedback survey to identify the strengths and weaknesses of the organization Completely anonymous. So am I going to get like a link to SurveyMonkey or something? Oh, absolutely. And it's got to have the guarantee that it's not going to go to anybody in the company. It's going to go to an outside party. And that outside party is going to do a good job of providing a report to everybody of what the whole team as a general said. Outline the major problems and do not ever disclose what any individual said. So I can talk about how my manager is ruining every project that my team works on. And I'm not going to have someone walk into my office and be like, Hey, listen, this stuff you put in your Absolutely. Survey. Okay. Absolutely. And Correct. some of that we find that some of the worst, the most challenging thing is when they've done surveys, but those surveys go to somebody internal. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Someone say, who's going to be mad that they might realize they're talking right, about them. Right, and, and such and story. such yes. is friends and with such and such and such and so. So, okay. so number two, the executives and managers review that feedback and then build a strategic plan for growth to identify what are the goals of the company, what are the top projects, as well as the key key, key problem areas that we've got to fix in the next year. Okay. All okay. right. And that strategic meeting should happen amongst the executives first, then they involve the managers. Okay. Okay. And then together, the executives and managers build the strategic plan. I like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then the managers basically take over. At that point, they take over because now they have a sense of direction. And they, they get, a, get, they get a, between themselves and they create game plans hmm. around those top projects. And they spend the next 30, 45, 60 days building game plans of what we're going to do the next six months. All right. Okay. okay. But they do that with who? With the input from the staff. There's right. the collaborative approach. See, they're going to the staff going, hey, guys, you guys saw the strategic plan. The strategic plan. We're going to build some game plans. You guys are the ones that know how to do these things. Help us build these plans. Hmm. That sounds good. You all see? Right. And then so you, the supervisors kick in, the employees kick in, all right? And then they're the ones who help implement the the the, the game plans, ones that have all been approved. Okay. All right? And then the, the final step is on a weekly, biweekly basis, those employees who are the ones who are helping to implement, they're the ones collecting the feedback, the problems, the issues that are hindering these game plans from happening, and they go up the same chain of command. They go to their supervisors, who then go to the man. You know what I'm saying? And then they have those conversations to fix problems. Okay. So the only way that it really works is if you if you have what we've what we call a set of rhythm meetings. Okay. To make sure that 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 this routine happens. That's I, ma- I imagine the managers with their with their team. Right? That's right. Okay. That's right. That's right. That's right, what nice. you need. But it works. It, now, it doesn't oh, just all of a sudden happen. You have to right. be disciplined. It's a lot of work. And some people have to be directive about setting it up. But it's you're being directive so you can be collaborative. That's well, right. what what makes sense? Like, what if I'm starting with collaborative? Is it going to be a month? Is it going to be six months? Like, just on average, do you usually find like give yourself eight months and you'll probably then be depends on the size of the team. Yeah, the urgency by which you make decisions but you have to give yourself six to 12 months okay to, sh- to make the shift otherwise you create way too much chaos gotcha okay but every month you have to make certain steps and okay. like we said first step is take the leadership take assessment. the leadership assessment go test. take it That's right. and contact us and we'll we'll help you with that where can we contact the team real world 225-772-4357 or you can email us at info at teamrealworld.com and by the way that 225-772-4357 spells spells 772 help Oh, very nice. 225-772-HELP. This has been Maurice Velasquez. Leah. And Nathan. And this has been Winning in the Workplace. Powered Powered by by Team Real World. World.